oxidative stress, it pushes the system, you know, it pushes the cells to clean up their act, basically. So when you're talking about fasting or time-restricted eating or having an eating window, when you push it to a certain point where the cell starts to think, oh, maybe we're in a bit of a famine here. Let's mm. start to gobble up this debris. Let's start to clean out the cells. Let's let's have a tidy up. Let's re replenish, you know, let's, you know, go within. Um, it's brilliant for the cell, clear up. And um, it's it's rest and digest, and um, it's it's just good for cell turnover and um, autophagy. It's called as well. So it's putting that little bit of stress on the system. The mm. mitochondria will will thrive off that. The cells will thrive off that, and in turn, you will thrive off that. Layla, thank you so much for joining me on Your Body's Way. I'm so grateful to have your time. I know that you're um, so busy and you've got lots going on, but I'm just so happy that you're here and that we can chat. Um, I know that you have some awesome knowledge up your sleeve because um, you know you do lots of talks lots of presentations and you know you're always putting your knowledge out there so um, that's why I wanted to reach out to you and just to to have you kind of share some of your wisdom on this podcast so thank you so much oh amazing well thanks for having me on you know it's really lovely to be connected with you and um you being in a different part of the world i find that fascinating but also the fact that we studied at the same institute i think we're going to have quite an interesting conversation yeah. because i always like to to geek up with my fellow ion students <laughs> um it's really nice because before we were recording this um we were just chatting about how i live in the cayman islands you live in pool right yeah yeah I love it oh I love it um but then we studied at the same place in the Institute of Optimal Nutrition so we're both nutritional therapists but we're literally like two years apart so you've studied yeah. two years earlier than me yeah. um but yeah it's nice to kind of know that we went to the same place and we kind of met the same people and the same teachers and yeah, yeah. it's really nice yeah yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely hub, um, you know, the Institute for Optimal Nutrition, the offices, the location, um, the ethos, the, the people, the, the, the whole, the foundations that underpin everything that we do has come from a lovely place. And that's why it's always so great to connect with people who've been through it, because we have, I think, similar, um, similar views, you know, similar ethos. So it's, it's really lovely. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I also love the topic that we're going to talk about today. It's one of my favorites um we're going to be talking about energy which mm -hmm. i think i don't know about you but most of my clients come to me with some sort of fatigue issue some sort of energy issue and do you know what do you know why i absolutely love this topic as well because i also have issues with energy myself so you know being a new mom like you know i've got um, a one-year-old and i've got a four-year-old and I've had a noticeable change in my energy so that's why I exactly, developed yeah. like right <laughs> that's mm. why I developed such an interest in energy myself um but we're also going to go into the absolute crux of where energy comes from which is the mitochondria in the cell which you're going to go into you're going to kind of pull it apart and explain everything um but it's a topic that I absolutely love. And I think a lot of people will get a lot out of this conversation um, from your advice and your knowledge and just to kind of um, understand what's happening when we're, you know, low on energy and what's happening at a cellular level so that we can kind of understand what we need to do from a really basic point of view. 
and kind of build up from there. So I love this topic. It's going to be a really good one. I really look forward <laughs> to it. So, um, but first of all, um, let's kind of talk about you and um, what got you into nutrition and why you're so interested in energy. Yeah, like, what's sure. your story? Uh, well, I've always been interested in in health and well being. I think you know through my late teens and my early twenties, it was um, a very fast paced life that I was living in London. I used to work for Microsoft, and it was in the West End, and I was rushing around, sort of day the and night, race. In there, totally in the rat race. Um, and things were quite extreme then. I'd be like either extreme workouts, extreme working, extreme holidaying, extreme partying. And used to sort of do these detoxes that was like the, the trend back then in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. No one really heard of it, but there's a group of us and we used to do these cleanses every six weeks. And yeah, felt amazing, felt the benefits. So it really kind of like stemmed from there how how much better I would feel from changing my diet removing certain things adding in certain things being really clean being really healthy and it sort of stemmed from there this ongoing interest in it reading books reading up on it trying different supplements trying different diets trying different ways of eating and then it was actually um my my husband who um well, I knew, knew him for years and years and years before getting together but when we actually got together on one of our first dates he mentioned about his um his IBS <laughs> which I didn't know he had that's a great um, first date talk. Yeah, he was like, well, you do know. So helped him because he did feel bloated after eating certain foods. He was struggling with his energy. He was struggling with like just certain like chronic, some low grade chronic underlying health conditions, I would say, that weren't impacting him massively. He was still about uh, able to get on with his day to day, but he wasn't ever feeling 100%. Um, so I really, you know, took it upon myself to, to help him with that. And then actually, um, while I was studying, so at the beginning of my studies, while I was um, studying um, herbal medicine, and then as you know, we would have had to have studied chemistry, biology and anatomy and physiology to get onto our course. It was in those early days that my daughter also um, came down with IBS and she was age seven. So I was really, really wanting to help her with it, obviously, you know, and it's your loved ones, close family members. Um, okay, it hasn't directly happened to me. I haven't had, I haven't got a story myself where I can say I have lived this experience, but it's as close as, you know, and it's your husband and your daughter. And if anything, Especially, when it happens to your children, it's even more important than if it happens to yourself in a way. Yeah, I think so. I just totally like just went completely 100% into to helping her with this. So I actually um, saw a couple of nutritionists locally and we went through the whole process. As you know, it's, it's running stool tests, it's looking at supplements, it's removing certain things from the diet. And she was at an age where I, she was young enough for me to be able to control, if you like, what she was eating. I think it's harder the older people get. Yeah. So she was on quite a strict diet for six months um, with certain supplements, for example, as well. And it was really amazing to see the transformation in her. And I think children specifically, they bounce back quickly. You know, their bodies are so quick to heal and regenerate. So I was really able to help her in that you know, stop the progression, I suppose, of her IBS symptoms, um, which was down to candida and SIBO. And so that is basically how I really got into that specific topic. And then actually, when I was in my training clinic, 
um, we we had to see three clients in training clinic and we're being uh, assessed by these um, tutors. Now, one of the clients in the training clinic came to me because he actually had chronic fatigue syndrome. So this is a big case to take. I had one as well. I th- my my tutor, I remember at the time, she she said, I don't know if you should have someone with this many symptoms. She's like, I'm not sure if this is right, but let's let's go ahead anyway. And yeah, I had someone like that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's big it's a big it's a big deal, you know. We're 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 fresh in, and um, someone can some can come to you with health come to you with a health form or something like, oh, I want to lose a bit of weight, or I'm a little bit bloated, or I'm deficient in in iron or something. But someone comes to you with chronic fatigue syndrome, um, and quite often that health form will be quite long and mm. complex mm-hmm. um, and you have to pick apart a lot and you have to go right all the way through um, a lot of information information about their health history and how it really got to that point um, and quite often it the energy deficit will come from a viral overload mm-hmm. so viruses you know bacteria the immune system something early on in their life dysregulated their immune system and for whatever reason their immune system wasn't able to fully fight that and so that has laid almost dormant in their system and then they try and fix it with um caffeine and certain foods and supplements and that's just compounding sugar that's going to keep me going and it just mediates it and mediates and mediates so I found this case really fascinating and I learned so much from this client because he was at that point where he would have tried anything, given mm. anything, done anything to get into a better situation. So anything I recommended, he was like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll try it. And so it was amazing because we went through a whole journey of like six to 12 months where at the start, pretty bad, you know, had to take um, caffeine tablets just to function in the morning, you know, just to get out of bed, not in a good place. Um, now running a team of four and a half thousand people, uh, running 10k like loving life buzzing may still have like like five ten percent of him may still find that you know you can't get rid of it hundred percent but layer by layer by layer by layer we addressed all of the issues that were causing this and actually what I've seen recently in the last few years is that something like a pandemic and covid comes along and that virus can quite often be enough to just tip that tip someone's immune system over the edge to the point where they're in chronic fatigue. Right, right. That's so interesting. So um, that that was a great start for you to to kind of be able to help someone on such a big level. And for someone with chronic fatigue, it, it really affects their life in such a deep, deep way. So it's so good that you helped that person. I can imagine that. Um, you know, that set you off on a really good path then to have a huge interest in energy and mm. how to harness it to, you know, it to its best ability. Because the way I see energy is, um, you know, every cell in our body has um, the ability to produce energy. And the way that I see it is, you know, if you imagine a dimmer switch, a light bulb and a dimmer switch, when our energy is high, when our cells are producing energy at a really high level and that is functioning really, really well, 
then our bodies are like lighting up and glowing and you know like kind of you know our eyesight is amazing our hearing is amazing or you know we jump out of bed and our hair's great and our skin's great but then as our energy starts to deplete and as we start to um, our cells start to struggle to produce energy the dimmer switch kind of turns down and then the light in the light kind of turns down and like you know it affects different parts of our body like maybe eyesight maybe taste maybe um you know how much you can do during the day and you know getting up in the morning and going to bed and there are just so many um ways that poor energy can affect you and different systems so it's a really great um kind of avenue to go down for yourself to help people because it's at the basis of basically every health issue, right? Like just having yeah. like some mitochondrial deficiency, like some sort of issue with energy, like that can be the base of almost any health condition, right? Oh, it actually is. I mean, I went to a conference um, about the mitochondria, you know, mm. mitochondrial conference, where they actually um, said that mitochondrial deficiency is implicated in every health concern from dementia to cancer to weight gain you name it the mitochondria is implicated and it's amazing really that we don't know or or it's not generally widely known about yeah and I, I love reading about the mitochondria so this is the perfect time to go into <laughs> what the hell is the mitochondria um what do they do like what, what is it all about maybe a bit of history about them because I know they have some they have some history don't they <laughs> so yeah. uh, <laughs> So, um, yeah, whatever you have about the mitochondria. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, top, top line, really, because a lot of people haven't haven't actually heard of them unless you might have done biology at school and it might have cropped up once or twice. Um, it's not really in the health space, although it, it should be, I think, a bit more um, widely known in the health space that, that about the mitochondria. So um, and I think it's important as also just to say when we're looking at our overall health, we do need to delve straight in. We need to go right down to that cellular level and then build it up from there, you know, because when, when we're talking about energy and skin health and brain health, that's all cellular you know, obviously we're made of cells. Um, and if we go into that cell, if we go into each cell, then we will find mitochondria. So what are these? These are tiny, tiny little organelles. Um, and it's not known when exactly this happened, but at some stage in human history, these little organ- organelles came into our cells um, mm-hmm. and they live in symbiosis with us. It's a bit like the gut bacteria that reside on us and in us. These, are, these organelles called the mitochondria are in our cells. Um, they're obviously so tiny, they're, they're smaller than the cell because there's up to hundreds of them with each, within each one of our cells. Um, and they have their own DNA. You know, they're not us. And this is, this is the real, really freaky thing. Mm. Um, and, and, and we don't know, we're walking around um, and we don't know that this is happening um, to us. They're, they're in our cells and... What they're actually doing is when we take in oxygen, glucose, nutrients, for example, these are all the things we need to survive for energy. These are being um, taken in by us. They're being taken into the cell. And then by a process of um, respiratory action, the mitochondria is then taking these components um, and synthesizing the energy. So it's called ATP, if we're going to get scientific, the energy atp is then tripled so it's times by three 
and the conversion chucks out three times more ATP than we originally had. Mm. So put that sort of mildly, if we didn't have mitochondria in us, we would not have enough energy to survive because we can't live off the energy that we make. It's only by them tripling it by three that we can actually function. And it's not just for moving around. You know, we need energy for our organs, for our heart, for our brain, you know, for our muscles, for our immune system. You know, our body needs energy for everything. And I so think I that guess is, that's why... Sorry yeah, to cut you off there, also. but just, just, I have this just train of thought here. Um, there's some crazy um, facts that if you were to shut down the mitochondria and they were to stop producing ATP, which is our energy currency, mm-hmm. um, you would only survive for about four seconds. And then it's like lights out, done. Wow. I didn't know it was as as severe as that. Yeah. Like four seconds. You can survive for about four seconds without ATP. Mm -hmm. And then like once all your energy is gone, it's like, that's it. Done. Lights out. But it's a continuum though. Like, yeah. yeah. The neurotransmitters, everything that's like sparking us and keeping us alive, like you say. Yeah. But it's a continuum because when we're a child, um, you've, you've seen the children, like they kind of, yeah, and you remember being one as well, like just you're full of energy and you kind of never run out and you're always moving and everything's working so perfectly. Um, so that's like on the top end of the scale. But then as the scale kind of, you know, moves on and declines, like then you get health issues and fatigue issues and, you know, aging. And so we, we, we're kind of on this continuum, um, which is really interesting. But but our job is to get people to get to stay as high on that continuum as possible and to stay, you know, as switched on as possible and as energetic as possible. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, Karen, I'm sorry no, to cut you no, off. No, 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 it's fine. It, it definitely is that. And I think, you know, it's like you say, it's, it's called cellular respiration and it's it's partly epigenetic. So that the the mitochondria that we have came from our mothers. So you and, and then from their mothers. So you, you can kind of say, OK, well, this is I was born this way. You know what, what what your mother and her mother was going through, you know, the trauma wise, environmentally wise, energy wise is partly what's going to make up your makeup but there is a lot that we can do to influence the mitochondria and like you say children they've got buoyant amounts of energy and mitochondrial function is functioning well Mm -hmm. um, because the mitochondria will clean themselves out they actually will clean themselves out by clearing away the dead bits of mitochondria and reforming into new ones from the broken bits like a bits of a puzzle you know, that's how clever they are. And, um, you know, they they need nutrients. They need certain nutrients like B vitamins and coenzyme Q10 and magnesium, for example. Um, So it's really important that we're kind of looking right at that cellular level, what we can do to support our mitochondrial health, Mm. to support our health. And it's the same with the gut bacteria. You know, that's a buzzword, the gut microbiome. Um, We know when we're eating fiber, complex fiber we're not necessarily feeding ourselves with a non-digestible fiber it's going through to the large intestine it's being digested on by the the good bacteria similar situation i guess with the cell function and the mitochondria um you know what what can we be doing at that cellular level um because you know to put it you know very basically they will like a clean environment Mm. you know that that's what they want they they don't you know, they don't want the cell to be full of the the off gases, even that they're producing. So glucose, for example, mm-hmm. is going to be producing quite a lot of, um, you know, metabolites um, that are 
that are not deemed as that clean for the cell. So what sort of energy are we putting into ourselves, to ourselves, to them? Um, And and are we detoxing? You know, are we are we cleaning away the dead debris and 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 being mindful of of toxic burden, which is very, very hard to do in this day and age. But, you know, what 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 are we doing at that cellular level um, to support them and and also, there's lots that we that that does support them. That that is buzzword at the moment. Strangely, mm. fasting, mm. hit workouts, cold exposure, saunas. You yeah. know, there's there's lots. There, there's, there's lots. I I can't yeah. wait to dig into that stuff because you know, like absolutely love anything to do with a little bit of stress on the cells. Your cells love to be roughed up a bit. Um, your mitochondria mm. respond really really well to a little bit of stress. So. Um, I can't wait to get into that. But first of all, um, let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Just say someone's listening to this and they think, okay, so do I do I have energy issues? Do my con- mitochondria have issues? And because they can do, like, absolutely. So um, what if someone is thinking, okay, am I? do I fall into this bucket? And therefore, will the rest of this conversation be um, be relevant to me? Like, do I need to start implementing the advice that they give? So what are some of the symptoms that someone should look out for, um, for having just low energy? Because it might be further than what they think. It might be more than just not being able to get out of bed or, you know, not being able to exercise that day. Or um, what are some of the symptoms of low energy? Um, yeah, I think, like you say, we all, we all suffer with with low energy. You know, that's part of being, you know, busy mum, you know, busy working, busy in life. Um, you know, we all, we, we will all have like points of low energy, but it's knowing when that is basically, you know, more than that. And it's not just a case of having an early night and feeling bouncing out of bed the next day. I think chronic underlying feelings of fatigue um, are ones to watch out for. So there can be different reasons for that. So we want to maybe explore blood sugar balance in with that and immune function in with that as well. But, you know, low energy could also be feelings of, you know, slight brain fog, you know, not being able to think that clearly, you know, even low mood, for example, might be implicated in that as well. You know, and just generally feeling like sluggish, like you're pulling yourself from from one task to the next means you're just not optimal, you know, mm. and that's that's really what we're aiming for, obviously, the Institute for Optimal Nutrition. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's in the name itself, you know, what, what we're doing here is we're just trying to help people to feel optimal and live ho- optimally healthy lives. Yeah. Um, because that's going to mean that we're going to get the, the most out of our lives. We'll be able to, like you say, think more clearly, um, get more done, be pro- more productive, just feel more happy and content like that, that fog that we yeah. that sometimes people feel is being lifted yeah I mean I absolutely love the idea of improving energy because like I said since I had children I have I, I'd say my biggest gripe right now with my own personal health is brain fog like I I'm just I'm just like wow like sometimes I'm just going through my day and I just feel like I'm in a bit of a dream so for me that's this conversation is really great and any tips you have after this would be really good because um like basically um that's where I find that my energy is waning a bit um Mm. so that's why I'm just so keen on this but there are there are three kind of symptoms that I came across for um, mitochondrial dysfunction or any kind of um, 
energy dysfunction. Um, pain, tired, and queasiness. So those three things is like a triad of symptoms for mm. mitochondrial dysfunction of some sort. So those three symptoms, if someone is feeling any of those, then that's a good sign that um, there is some um, dysfunction going on. And therefore you need to start doing some of the things that we're going to recommend, like some of the supplements and the activities and things like that. Um, but yeah, those three things, um, yeah. tired, yeah, pain, definitely. And the reason for that is that you, you might be um, slightly inflamed, you know, mm. pain, pain is a sign of, you know, short term, obviously is, is a sign of short term inflammation, but long term chronic pain is also a sign of chronic inflammation. Um, and so the buzzword at the moment does seem to be inflammation. And mm. again, implicated in mitochondrial dysfunction, because if you look at the pathways, you know, it's about having a clean cell and not one that is overloaded or overburdened. Um, and then when we're talking again, like you say, about energy, um, what takes up a lot of energy, interestingly, is the immune system. You know, our immune system is like this huge factory powerhouse that's whirring away every second of the day, fighting off this and fighting off that and keeping us safe from the other. And if if it's doing too much of that, you know, if there's something like a latent virus or too much bacteria, it's draining on the on on our reserves. Yes. So yes. that might be why we have slightly less energy than we need because That's our system is, is fighting things that it needs to to get out of our systems. That's why when you're sick, like for example, if you had COVID, did you have COVID? By the way, yeah, yeah same. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, that kind of explains the low energy and you know the grey skin and just the you know the inability to function. And some some people. Um, some people didn't have it too bad, but other people were just bedridden with it. Um, Completely, yeah. There's a theory called sickness behavior. Have you come across that? No, I haven't. So sickness behavior is um, it's an it's like a our our ancestors. This was inbuilt in in them, so it's a sort of like a prehistoric sort of mechanism, if you like. So when they became ill, um, they would retreat from the from the herd into the cave. And this was a feeling that they had. So what happened is say they had they were fighting a virus or a, a bacteria, for example, it would set off inflammatory cytokines. So these inflammatory cytokines would move up to the brain and inflame the brain. And this would bring on feelings of depression and isolation, wanting to be isolated. And they would retreat to the cave. And by doing so, it would protect the herd. God, that's so interesting. I didn't know. So when you've got yeah. COVID and all you want to do is lie in bed, there's a reason for follow that. Follow the signals. Yeah. Follow the, follow the signs. There's a reason for, for doing that. It's to, it's to protect your energy and yourself. It's also to stop the spread as well. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Gosh. So um, is there a certain person out there who is more likely to have poor energy? like to do with their food their lifestyle like is there a certain type of person who needs to kind of look out for these symptoms a bit more and um, how can they fix it um yeah so there's lots to talk about around that I mean in my, in my clinic I would say I, I see um a lot of people with autoimmune conditions unfortunately mm -hmm. um which is again is inflammatory and uh, 
quite often if you if you if you take that right back it, it might have stemmed from a very stressful time mm-hmm. too many things happening in that person's life um, and again you know the system kind of crashes we also need to watch out for something called Epstein-Barr virus which is EBV which is glandular fever mm-hmm. um, I, I see that a lot you know and at the moment with with long COVID potentially um a lot of people will have a reactivation of the Epstein-Barr virus. So we need to be cautious of things like that. Um, but again, if we're thinking dietary wise, um, energy, then unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of easy access to what we would call simple carbohydrates and sugary foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, are, are we nourishing our bodies enough? Are we able to get the right nutrient density of foods um, into us that we were able to previously. And I think it has become harder for people mm-hmm. living busy lives. So definitely looking at the nutrient side of things. I've got a, I've got a confession to make. Go on then, now. please. I love confessions. Go I've on. Confession. So <laughs> please my, confess. <laughs> my, it was my son's 10th birthday um, last week. Um, and he had a party on the Friday night. He took He wanted to go bowling with his friends and then he wanted to come back here back home for a Domino's pizza with his friends yeah oh he he hates what I do as a job he hates the fact that I'm a nutritionist and so I have to have this balance where I I wanted to do all the healthy wraps and the fruit and the veg and everything but no way did him and his friends want that so I agreed so we've got I mean I can't remember the last time I ate a Domino's pizza it must have been when I was his age honestly like I can't remember the time yeah and they had a 50 cent offer. So we had more than we needed, stack loads of pizza. And I ate it because it was there. And it's actually really Moorish the way they must do this thing with the cheese and the salt. You're just like, I um, get it. Oh my gosh, I get it. Like, oh I remember what this was like. <laughs> I can't believe I did it. Did it. And I'm telling you, the next day, so Saturday, I felt awful. Right. I felt awful all day long. Yeah, I, I know that feeling. Absolutely awful. I didn't know whether I was coming down with something. I didn't know what was going on with me, but I thought it must it must be the pizza. I mean, like you said, like our cells and especially the mitochondria, as soon as we're speaking of them today, um, they they like a clean environment. And so Mm. when you think about processed foods, they contain, um, you know, chemicals that we've never heard of that we don't understand that shouldn't be in food. So Mm. I think one of the one of the key things that anyone should do if they're thinking about going on a health journey is to first of all start looking at how how many um, kind of possible chemicals and toxins are actually in their diet so by taking out the processed foods first like Mm. that's the most powerful thing someone could do from my perspective and just to kind of remove that kind of burden because I mean, the reason why you felt so bad is probably because you've been eating clean and then, you know, suddenly you have this onslaught of, you know, food that your body doesn't remember and it's it doesn't really recognise. So you kind of get these symptoms maybe, straight maybe away. People, maybe people will be used to feeling like that. Yes. I don't know whether people are like, oh, this is normal. This is how I feel. Mm. Like, yeah. like my husband, he never felt 100%. His diet wasn't great, to be honest, before we got together. I guess in a way it was a bit of an experiment at the weekend. Yeah. I was like, well, the pizza's there. Let's see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? I felt bloated. I felt low in energy. I felt, I just, I just didn't feel right at all. Um, and I guess the message is food is information. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You know, food is information. And if I eat healthily 99% of the time, because that's just what I do, because yeah. I like to practice, I have to practice. You're better I'm than me. When, if you do it 99% of the time, you're better well, than me. Trust me. But, you know, <laughs> I try. And I think what it is, is I'm used to eating real food, mm. like actual real food. That's what I do. I home cook, everything's real food. Um, colorful full of fiber full of nutrients it's what I enjoy naturally which is quite handy so I'm guess I'm used to feeling okay mm, and it goes yeah. to show that actually if you do eat something that's highly processed full of refined sugar um, full of um, like you say preservatives mm-hmm. um, what, what, what who knows what's in it but it's going to yeah. make you feel sluggish it yeah. is and yeah. and yeah that's not a nice way to feel actually and yeah. and I think like we said at the start of the conversation by s- switching up the diet to more nutrient dense foods that the the fog will start to lift and then you'll feel better in yourself and then you'll potentially start to make better choices and it's like a sort of chicken and egg thing that goes from there and yeah. once you when you do start to feel optimal you, you'll want you'll want that feeling for good yeah. I'm pretty sure I think you know obviously there's we're holistic and there's so many different parts of us and food digestion is one huge part but then when you look at the other parts of us as well they can also be highly affected and they can also cause energy issues so for example sedentary behavior which apparently they say it's on this it's as dangerous as smoking now I don't know if you've heard that but yeah, I have. Yeah. It, yeah it's it's as dangerous as smoking like not moving not exercising enough um mm. so there's that and then there's stress so mm. I think we can all kind of say that life is so stressful right now you only have to look at the telly um mm. and you can just feel the stress kind of building up when you see what's going on out there um you know, what everyone's just been through with the pandemic. Um, just some places are still even talking about it and they've got, you know, um, they've got other versions of it still going on and um, economic downturns and, you know, prices going up, but there's just so much happening. So stress as well is a huge, has a huge impact on our cellular health and our mitochondrial health. And that can contribute massively. And I think I don't know about you, but this is what I've been thinking recently. Stress is the absolute core of um, everything. Like if you can tackle your stress and if you can start to heal in that department, then everything else will kind of, kind of comes after that in a way. I, I don't know, like, obviously it's not like black and white. Everything's always gray, you know, to some degree, but I think stress is like the basically so underestimated <laughs> we just don't yeah yeah, we we don't realize how much stress can affect our health and when it comes to energy if you're a stressed out person if you're not moving if you're eating poorly and you're um you know maybe your relationships aren't great or you're not connecting with people enough then that can that can make you into a candidate for having energy issues and Mm. that can lead to disease later on so there's mm. just so many different avenues to look at. And mm. as a nutritional therapist, that's stuff that we address. You know, mm. we, we kind of look at all avenues. Mm. Um, so with that in mind, so we, we've kind of gone over things that can harm our cellular health. So, okay, what can we do then? 
well, how can we reverse this and start to make a change? Yeah, I think that's really lovely that you pointed out the stress aspect. You know, it's it's a word that just gets used and used and used over and over again. Oh, I'm stressed. Oh, it's so stressful. And yeah, we've got to, we, it's a big, big, big part of it. And mm. uh, so true. And I think when, when we think thoughts, you know, these do translate into a physiological reaction in our bodies. So, you know, if we're thinking stressful thoughts, if we're feeling stressed, if we're feeling anxious, mm. then that is going to raise cortisol and adrenaline. Yeah. So just to give you an example of the pathway and why, why it's important to maybe manage, look at your stress levels initially um, before you embark on anything, you know, really just address that would be if you're raising your adrenaline and in, in your cortisol, even if it's just by small amounts constantly all day long, that's putting pressure on your adrenal glands. Now, women, I'm 43, so women of my age, around roundabouts, looking at, the, you know, starting the perimenopause, when you, when you begin on the perimenopause journey and your estrogen and your progesterone are fluctuating, if your adrenals are already in a state of insufficiency, then that is going to add to the symptoms of the perimenopause. They take on the burden, right, of the estrogen production. They do. Yeah. They do. So you've got to have, you know, healthy adrenal glands. Otherwise, you're going to have some pretty severe perimenopausal symptoms, which you know, aren't pleasant. So that's an example, I suppose, of how, how important it is. The same with stress and IBS. There's such a strong link between the two. Um, you know, that interconnection between the gut and the brain and those neurotransmitters that are constantly traveling between the two, that crosstalk is happening all the time. And I think there's more crosstalk from the gut to the brain and vice versa. Mm -hmm. You know, we feel it, the butterflies, you know, when you have a stressful feeling, you get the butterflies and that's that goes to show that there's something happening at the physiological level um, related to our emotions. So I think the real buzzword this year based on what you said around everything we've been through and what we're going through is self-care yeah I think self-care is where it's at at the moment yeah um yeah. you know and that's almost like a prescription we all need to write for ourselves it's so but, so important but, but don't like we say that but don't you find that we never do it though we never yeah. do it <laughs> we never do it so if I'm stressed out I'm the last person that I will heal that tends to be the way I work like if I'm stressed out um I will try and make sure everyone else is okay and mm. my dealing with my stress kind of comes last like if I have any time to myself um which is few and far between then that's when I'll probably address some of my stress you know that's probably when I'll yeah. try and you know get some you know meditation or you know have a yeah, nap yeah. or something like that but literally that's only if I have time yeah. I don't make the time but like we no, never do totally. it I think because, you know, you're because of the age of your children, I think it's absolutely mm. amazing, you know, just fascinating that you're able to to do this. Because I remember those times when my children were as young as yours and you just don't even get five, ten minutes to yourself. You know, yeah. it's just um, it's a really, really challenging time. It's amazing as it is. Um, but also, like I find <laughs> stress, um, it's unfortunately it's a badge of honour for a lot of people as well. Mm, yeah that's true I'm busy I'm so busy yeah and it's congratulated so when Mm -hmm. someone is so busy and they're run off their feet you sort of pat them on the back um I mean a a classic example is my sister um god bless her she's she is so hard working and she works herself 
into the ground basically and um whenever she tells me she's like I'm so busy I've got so much going on my response is always like oh things are going well then like oh work's going well then and everything so it must be going well like work must be going well then if yeah. you're busy yeah. then you must be doing well and, and we're so on call it's like we can't not reply because like what else are we doing <laughs> Exactly. You can't switch off. You're not allowed to switch off these days, are you? But exactly. That that's why um stress, I think, is getting worse and worse and worse. And I feel it in myself. You know, when my phone goes off and I get a message, I feel like I have to address it. And really, I think when getting better and, and self-care, it's all about um addressing those impulses. So mm. if you're the type of person who needs to respond straight away, you know maybe questioning that and mm. trying to address why you ha- feel that like and what's wrong if you do take a bit longer to reply and mm. you know it's questioning the stress you know is it something to be proud of is it something that you know can be pulled back because it has a real effect and you only unfortunately see the effect when you get older so like you said when you start to get into perimenopause and you start to get into menopause that's when um it, you really start to notice you're like wow okay I need to fix yeah, my it stress can, because it it's really affecting me yeah. yeah it can definitely hit people so I, I I would say you know just even if it is just five or ten minutes a day mm-hmm. um a little little tiny self-care routines are really important so that I've got become so busy in my clinic mm-hmm. I've realized that the busier I get the more self-care I have to do like I've never done as much self-care good for as you now. Good for you. Like, no, I'm really do. happy that I you're doing to. that. No, I really, really have to. Um, it's the only way I can, you know, function and and do what I do. So for me, it's walks on the beach. I have a, a route that I take. It's the yeah. same route, and I take that. You know, when the sun's shining, when I need it, as often as I can. I don't go with anyone. I just go with myself, and it's right on that point where the ocean meets mm. the land. Oh. It's just so cleansing. It's so healing. You know, you've got the um the um obviously the sun the vitamin d from the sun and the fresh air and then you're grounding if you're barefoot you've got all the all the positive vibes coming from the sea in that way and it's just so relaxing and you can switch off so do that the other thing i do is most nights i have a epsom salts bath um because that's full of magnesium magnesium is really important magnesium has over 600 cellular functions in the body and that hot hot bath with the magnesium it's really cleansing i find water i think that's the thing i find the water is just really really helps me to shift any sort of energy blocks or or clogged up energy or other people's energy that i might have you know that day it's it's so funny you say that because i was speaking to um a really great um podcast guest and she um she basically helps people overcome alcohol addiction and Mm. she said that going in the bath and just being with water is a really great way to get over that feeling that you need a drink like it's a really oh, right. there's some there's something about the water and yeah. like you just said like there's something about the water that just calms you and kind of brings you back to center and um it's really interesting how you say that because she said the same thing well we are made of water aren't we that's yeah that's what we are so and that's how we started in the womb and I'm sure exactly. there's some link there yeah, I'm just drawn to it. That that's that's my healing place. I was brought up on a farm by the Nile, by the River Nile. So you were born, born in Egypt. Born, 
Yes, I was born, not actually born on the farm, but I was raised there till I was five. So I, I think I'm just drawn to it. But um, I think it really does help to to balance us. And yeah, it's the ele electromagnetic fields of the water as well. It's those ne the negative ions. That's what's happening when we're grounding ourselves is thousands of them coming off the sea at any one point. And that's about rebalancing us as well. So that, you know, that's my thing. You know, other people might find it's something else for them I don't know a walk around the block or yeah. a bit of meditation or some stretching or a couple yes. of weights or like punching a punch bag yeah you know whatever it is just like get that energy like off in moving and, yeah. and cleanse, get your mind you know rebalanced and and just the, the self-care at that cellular level which is what we've been talking about is going to benefit because you don't want to start clogging up your your system you don't want to start manifesting energy because that then will possibly manifest in chronic disease later in life yeah unfortunately is, is what we're looking at yeah and it's so funny I had a conversation with my husband the other night and um I'm the kind of person who I'm like right you know I I, I recommend to people that you know meditation is great you should be meditating like and then I try and do it and I find it really yes. difficult. I, yeah. um, it's, it's not, I'm realizing, I'm not going to say it's not for me because never say never. Um, there's just, I'm just in a time in my life where sitting in quiet and trying to switch off, it's, yeah. it's quite challenging. And I've tried it over and over again and it doesn't quite sit well with me yet. But what I realized is when I run, that's when I have my best um, my clearest most productive most creative thoughts and I can only imagine that meditation is sort of um, that's what meditation is for it's for clarity and it's for you know yeah. seeing th seeing things as they are and just kind of figuring everything out and um, I realized running is my meditation like that's yeah, it yeah that's been mine as well I've I've done lots of running oh. and yeah, so everyone's doing it then. Okay. Yeah, no, but that's what I found when I was doing like the last five years. Um, I've I've been I've done a lot of long distance running, but when I was doing some cross country running and running in races the last five years, and I was finding it was my meditation, mm. because like you, I find it hard to to keep still as such. I do like Bikram yoga, for example, and and yoga flow, but um running is a meditation it's what it's doing to your brain waves you're, you're going down that like what the buddhist would call that middle path the running is going down that middle path which is the brain waves and what it's doing to your mind you are going through a state of mindfulness when you're running oh i just love that and you know what i feel now i realize that i've I literally realized it the other day and mm. now i've realized that i i'm so less hard on myself when it comes to meditation i'm just like i don't yeah, beat myself up over it anymore i'm just like you know what i do meditate I meditate nearly every day I go for a run like that's my meditation um and I just I, I absolutely love it and so I mean the self-care like the relaxation um however people like to relax is really good for energy but then also we touched upon in the beginning you mentioned um stressors like fasting exercise and um you know hot and cold therapy and things like that so they're really good help as well right for mitochondrial health yeah it's called hormesis so it's a little a little bit of stress is good too much is not so obviously stress seems to be our buzzword but a little <laughs> bit of stress it pushes the system you know it pushes the cells 
to clean up their act basically so when you're talking about fasting or time restricted eating or having an eating window when you push it to a certain point where the cell starts to think oh maybe we're in a bit of a famine here let's mm. start to gobble up this debris let's start to clean out the cells let's let's have a tidy up let's re replenish you know let's you know go within um it's brilliant for the cell clear up and um it's it's rest and digest and um it's it's just good for cell turnover and um autophagy it's called as well so it's putting that little bit of stress on the system the yeah. mitochondria will will thrive off that the cells will thrive off that and in turn you will thrive off that I and like obviously there's lots of, yeah there's lots of different ways to fast um you know that we can get into that but if, if someone wants to look at time restricted eating i think the thing with what you and i do is that there can quite often be different camps and mm. i think a lot of people are getting very tired with the camps it's all getting very draining of like don't do this do that and i, I don't think there can be much argument when it comes to the benefits of fasting mm. yeah there aren't really i don't think there can be anyone that can really argue with it and it doesn't have to be a lot it can be literally like a 12 12 yeah. So 12 hours of eating, 12 hours of, you know, yeah. not eating and then going up to a 16, eight. And once you mm. get past 12 hours, you start to go into ketosis mm -hmm. and ketosis is when you're producing ketones. And if we're talking about fuel sources for the mitochondria, the mitochondria will, um, they like a metabolic flexibility. So they don't want you to just eat carbs. They don't want you to just eat protein. They want a mixture, but they mm -hmm. want low refined carbs they want good fats, ketones, and, and good protein as well. So when you're going into a state of fasting ketosis, this is clean energy, you know, this is not dirty fuel. It's good for the mitochondria. Again, it kind of keeps them on their toes, switching, switching the fuel sources. It's yeah. good for brain function. It's, it's good for muscle synthesis. Um, yeah, that it, it's great, but you can, I think you can go a bit too far with fasting. Like I think maybe yeah. women, we need to be careful with our hormones that we're not pushing ourselves into a state of cortisol, you know, stress on the body. And, and, and you know what, just coming back to when you were talking about the two camps, um, I think what you've just said is exactly where the two camps divide. That's where the misunderstanding is. So, um, I think the problem with any, I, I'm a fan of diets basically I'm a fan of fasting I'm a fan of keto I'm a fan of paleo I'm a fan of Mediterranean diet I'm a fan of those things but I think the problem is it's when someone uses it and they think right it's working now I'm just going to use it forever and then yeah. suddenly it stops working for them and then suddenly they have hormone issues and then they have health issues and keto gone too far and, you know, there are stories out there of women's hormones getting messed up and not being able to, you know, conceive and, you know, losing their hair and, and, and fasting can be the same. So it's, it's blamed for thyroid problems and female hormone issues. And the issue isn't fasting itself. And the issue isn't keto itself, because they're great when you need them. But then when you're done with them, it's like, bye-bye like move on to something else, like move on to the next thing that you, that you need, like that you intuitively need. So I like to recommend fasting um, as and when you need it. So at the moment, I don't really fast that much. Like I don't really go beyond a 16, eight. And even sometimes I don't even reach 16 hours. I'm just like a 14, 10 or even a 12, 12, because I feel fairly balanced. I feel fine. Um, but 
as soon as I feel out of balance, then I'm going to be like, okay, like I'm going to start to fast again. Like I'm start to kind of like bring in those windows. I mean, over the festive period, here's an example. Um, I was eating as and when, and I was just having all the foods, like all of the Christmas food, all of the new year food, and, you know, all the kind of festivities that we all get caught up in. And, um, I remember I was, I was, I was eating a breakfast, I think one day, and then suddenly it was just a normal breakfast, uh, like oats or, you know, something, but then all of a sudden I just got really hot all over, like just this, mm-hmm. almost like a hot flash, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. a really quick. And I was like, Whoa. And I knew that that was because my body was done. It was like, Tam, you've yeah. like, you've been eating and eating and eating and eating. <laughs> I'm done. Um, I think I need to fast a bit. So that's an example of when I'm like, okay, I need to fast. So then I started fasting a bit, um, coming out of the festivities, but then now I feel fine again. So, you know, I'm kind of not fasting at the moment. Mm -hmm. I I believe these things have a reason like keto is great for just for, for like a, like a period of time when you need it, when you need to reduce your glucose or you need to, you know, lose a bit of weight or, you need to kind of, you know, balance out your insulin. But then when it's done, it's done. Yeah, so. no, I agree. I think um, a lot of the time, you know, people will see me and they'll want to know the answers and they've, they've got the answers within. They just need mm. someone like us to help them, guide them and and just, you know, guide, point them in the right direction. Because I think intuitively we know, our bodies mm. know what it is we need and what, what we shouldn't be doing. There's There's a lot to be said for being intuitive um with our feelings of whether we whether it's the right day to fast or whether it's not you know whether we should be exercising whether we shouldn't whether we should be eating that we shouldn't and also you know we're all biochemically very different so just because one person is absolutely smashing it at the gym in a fasted state doesn't mean that's going to be right for us and so you know we shouldn't like beat ourselves up and say well they they're doing that why you know i should be doing that we're all so different you know some people some people fare better on a higher carb diet you know that's just the way they are you know some people will thrive off of keto that's just biochemically the way they their body is designed so I think we have to look intuitively because like there's no one size fits all you know obviously saying like mitochondria yes they like chromesis so they do like fasting they do like hip workouts they do like hot and cold exposure and and all of this but we have to be mindful of is that going to be right for us in that and, in that time of our lives yeah. with our hormones and our age and where we're what, what else we're doing in our in our day-to-day and just mm-hmm. listen to our bodies because we can sometimes you know do 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 more harm than good but you know g- g- generally you know that the main things are I think the two things you can't really argue with which one of them we, we talked about is fasting and the other thing would be the Mediterranean diet mm. Yeah. Simple as it is. I think the most you know, researched well, diet, isn't it? And it's just had the best result. Always comes, yeah. Yeah, your favorite always comes back, you know, and that's talking about, you know, you know, the, the nourishing, wholesome, nutrient dense foods, you know, lots of green, lots of fiber, lots of antioxidants, polyphenols, real home cooked food olive oil and you know seasoning and small amounts of good quality protein oily fish you know fruits and vegetables you know you can't really go wrong when you're eating the true mediterranean lifestyle diet and um the mitochondria what's most important to them is color so Mm. yes the macronutrients um proteins fats and carbs 
but then the nutrients that your uh, mitochondria thrive from are just color like whatever comes from color like polyphenols and the kind of vitamins and minerals that come from a colorful like you say mediterranean diet um if someone needs to heal their energy and they want to start kind of perking up a little bit then having as much color in your diet as possible is one of the best things you can do because then you get as many nutrients as you can from a different variety of foods and then you have the best chance of you know kind of really kind of jacking up your mitochondrial health Mm. um so I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd second that the Mediterranean diet. And then, like you said, um, a little bit of stress here and there. So, you know, exercise, fasting, um, hot and cold therapy. They, I, I like to think of, um, I, I did a post the other day about how our cells, like they're, they're not shrinking violets, like they're, they're not made of China. Um, mm. You don't need to protect them, to, you know, to, and to feel safe and like to keep them mollycoddled. Like they like to be challenged and pushed mm. and, Um, But like you said, in balance, though, like decide intuitively what works for you and um, find a balance with it. So exercise, but not too much fast, but not too much, like kind of find your balance and see what works for you. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, what we all need to realize that we're all unique. Like you said, you just need to find that balance. Yeah, um yeah. so so are there any um so we've talked about lifestyle we talked about some food um I mean do you have any other specific recommendations um or should we just go straight on to any supplement recommendations that you have yeah sure I mean you know let's just go through you know obviously you know the um the classics you know as we've, we've talked about you know it's 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 avoiding the processed food you know the refined carbs the Domino's pizza. Yes. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, yeah, living proof. Don't don't eat them. Trans fats, um, conventionally raised meats, you know, limiting caffeine, trying to avoid where possible too much alcohol. You know, all of these things. I know it's just obvious, mm-hmm. but these are going to affect your energy levels at the cellular level. Um, and then increasing oily fish, for example. Mm-hmm. So I, I can talk lots about which nutrients and supplements and and everything, but I did want to I did want to touch on this because it's an area that I'm really working heavily with at the moment. So um, the the benefits of oily fish are obviously the fact that they are high in EPA and DHA. So if we're talking cellular function today, around every cell of our body, um, the outer membrane is made of fatty acids. So it's made of a complex of fatty acids. And we want those that outer layer to be abundant in omega-3, EPA and DHA, because that's going to create a nice, juicy, well-flowing, well-functioning outer membrane layer that's going to let the nutrients in and it's going to let the toxins out. You know, when you start to increase, unfortunately, your uh, intake of processed foods, trans fats, um, fried foods, you know, all these sort of processed foods, you're going to be higher in omega-6. So we do need omega-6 and a higher ratio, but not as high as it is in the modern day. When you've got too much omega-6, that that cell membrane becomes almost like a golf ball and it's like this and it's not letting the nutrients that. in and it's not letting the toxins out and it's not good. So that's partly why oily fish is so important. And if you can't get it from 
the fish itself, which is getting quite hard to do, then supplementing. If we're talking about supplements and we're talking about what are your non-negotiables, I would say an omega-3 with high EPA and DHA Got is a, pretty much non-negotiable in this day and age because um, it's going to help fight inflammation. It's going to be good for the immune system. It's good for heart health, brain health, eye health. Yeah, you know, does, does that explain it or did you have any other questions? No, no. Um, and I was going to say a lot of people don't get enough as well in their diet. It's like hard. you said, it's getting harder to do. So um, I, I would yeah. second that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the oily fish and then green leafy vegetables, obviously, like we've touched upon, eating the rainbow, anti-inflammatory foods, we're talking turmeric, blueberries, you know, anything colourful, we, as we've said, you know, nuts and seeds include lots of fibre, lots of extra nutrients like selenium. And, you know, you've, you, 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 know, you want to be increasing your zinc, for example, all of these are important for energy, um, you know, beans and pulses and good animal protein and let's not forget fermented foods so prebiotics and probiotic foods so trying to go food first with this you know increasing um or, or adding sauerkraut kimchi kefir you know a dollop here a splash there just increasing that into your into your daily you know meals would be really really beneficial because if you're helping your gut health you know you're helping to build up a good flora you're in in turn helping your energy levels because they produce nutrients for us they help all linked. with our colon health it's all linked you know you when when you're taking in prebiotics and probiotics either through food or through supplements you you might possibly feel a better overall sense of well-being and that is because it's helping you at that cellular level for your energy and your cell function um, so yeah, so food wise, you know, and, and antioxidants, you know, green tea, polyphenols, mm -hmm. even the occasional dark squirrel to dark chocolate a day full of antioxidants, full of polyphenols, you know, it's I'll not, get to that. I like to say to people, it's not so much about what to remove. Sometimes it's about what to eat more yes, of, what yes. to have more of, um, you know, more of the good stuff. And then it is hard these days to get it all from food. So um, talking supplements, I would say non-negotiable would be an omega three. So I I I work with um, an oil um, omega three. So it's infused with olive oil and polyphenols. So it, it acts as a carrier for the EPA and the DHA into the cell. So it's it's unlike anything else that I've come across. Um, and probably a really good multivitamin, something that includes methylated bees you know vitamin d3 that all of these nutrients are really important for um energy immune health and just overall well-being um so if you want to sort of do yourself like get get your health insurance sorted it would probably be good quality multi mm -hmm. and um cross making sure you're getting enough epa and dha from a high quality source of um omega-3 so if someone was starting today, there's there's the tip that those are your kind of non-negotiables to get started. And then I just, would say, yeah, and then variety, basically variety in your yeah. diet, like color variety and just yeah. go through the entire spectrum as much as you can. I know it's hard, um, but and, and then get moving and de-stress yeah. where you can and, you know, maybe introduce a fasting window here and there. Be intuitive. Don't be hard on yourself. Um, all of those things, you know, like you said, we know them all, but, you know, we don't, we don't always kind of 
deliver on them so it's it's just nice to remind ourselves every now and again to do those things it seems to be a lot to take on board straight away so I I, you know if you're not doing any of those things then just start slowly just like step by step just incorporate you know one thing at a time just slowly but surely just making it your new sort of way of living I suppose and um, you will reap the benefits not in the short term but in the long term as well yeah lovely um, so I think we'll wrap up here, but is there anything else that you want to leave everyone with? Is there any kind of final tips that you have for improving energy? Uh, uh, not really. I think, you know, just to reiterate um, about the self-care, you know, I think that's really, really important. And just to say, you know, don't, you know, give yourself permission to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about looking after yourselves to look after yourself. And I think that's a really big part of this is, you know, intuitively and give yourself permission to do that, to rest, to take the rest, you know, to enjoy the healthy food, to treat yourself. It might be a bit more expensive sometimes to invest in these things, but, you know, we all deserve it and we all need it. So, yeah, go ahead and do it. Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much. Oh. Um, so where where can everyone find you? Um, well, I mainly seem to be Instagram, um, Instagramming really. Um, I'm on Facebook as well, but um, a lot of people seem to be um, communicating with me through Instagram, which is Layla Gordon Nutrition, and I'm on Facebook as well, and my website LaylaGordon.uk. So I'm not that hard to find. I'm everywhere. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so I'll put those at the bottom of the episode as well. I'll just kind of put a link to those. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. That was such a lovely conversation about energy, and um, we should Thanks. really do it again sometime. I look forward to it if you if you have some yeah. spare time in the future. yeah no that'd be great it's been so lovely connecting with you thanks again for having me on and um yeah i would love to have another chat sometime soon